You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Well, this evening we're going to take the Bible. We're going to look at the Word of God for about five minutes, and uh, we'll be done and on our way here. So I'm a youth pastor, so I, I, I don't study much. So we're going to look at just a simple passage of Scripture Brother Nathan, I'm just saying that. I, I study. Brother Nathan told me he doesn't. So I, I am just uh, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And uh, we're going to look at this passage of Scripture here for just a few minutes. When I say Matthew chapter number 7, I'm, I'm just a dumb uh, youth pastor from Tennessee. Y'all are the smart ones. So when I say Matthew chapter number 7, does anyone know what is contained in the book of Matthew, chapters 5, 6, and 7? We, we commonly refer to that, or some people do. I, I, I don't know what it is. But if you know what that passage of Scripture is, will you just holler out what, what's taking place in Matthew 5, 6, and 7? What's taking place? Sermon on the Mount. I knew you all were smart. I am impressed. The Sermon on the Mount. Who preached the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus did. Jesus was the preacher. By the way, Jesus is my favorite preacher. I love to hear Jesus preach, and we're going to read a portion of Jesus preaching here for the next few moments, and Jesus was a phenomenal preacher. He, as a matter of fact, he was perfect. He's an amazing preacher, and we're going to read just a small part of his sermon. The longest sermon recorded in the Word of God by Jesus is right here in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And uh, as a matter of fact, it, uh, 11 months ago now, I think, 11 months ago, my wife and I jumped on an airplane. And uh, in an airplane, not on an airplane, that'd be, you understand what I'm saying. We jumped in an airplane and we flew to the Holy Land. And uh, we got to walk in some of those places where Jesus walked. We got to see the, where they say is the empty tomb. We got to see where they say is Calvary, Golgotha. We got to, we got to sail on a boat in the Sea of Galilee. Probably the, my favorite spot was right there in the Sea of Galilee. Or on Mount Carmel where, where God sent fire down from heaven and, and, uh, and, and lapped up the water and the sacrifice there and, and for Elijah. And I, I tell you, I had the time of my life. The Word of God takes on a whole new meaning to me now than it did prior to going there. And I, I love the Word of God prior to that. But going there and, and being in that place and seeing uh, those areas, it all just came to life. What an amazing, I, I challenge you, honestly, church family, and your pastor didn't say anything, he's going to slap me for saying this. I challenge you, send your pastor to the Holy Land, and his wife, don't just send him, send them both. Send them to the Holy Land, I guarantee you, the messages that your pastor's wife writes for your pastor will be better than they've ever been. You'll have a better preacher. And I mean that, you've got a great preacher already. Send him to the Holy Land, let him study. I think every preacher ought to go to the Holy Land. And we were there, and I literally stood in the place where they say Jesus would have preached this message on the Sermon on the Mount. I had the privilege of opening a Bible and preaching there to a group of people. And, and as I stood there, I, I, I preached out of a different portion of the Sermon on the Mount than I am tonight. But I stood there, and it just overwhelmed me to think, my Savior, the one who hung on the cross and bled and died for me, literally walked this earth in the place where I was standing at that point, And I got to be, and I tell you, it did something for me. And I, I went through and I went back after we were there. I, I went back to the Sermon on the Mount knowing I was standing where he preached that message. And, and I, I came to the end of this passage of Scripture and I was just captivated by how Jesus concluded the message of the Sermon on the Mount. And that's what we're going to look at here in just a moment. 
You understand that we live in very tumultuous times? We do. Turn on the news. By the way, I am not a gloom and doom person. For me, the cup is half full all the time. It's even overflowing most of the time. I, I can go to the doctor and, and, and have some major problem, and I'm like, it's okay. I'll be all right. Really, no big deal. It's not, it's not a big deal. And uh, I, had a, I got malaria. I went to Thailand, got, got the lucky straw, drew the lucky straw, got the mosquito that bit me, and, and uh, I contracted malaria. I've got malaria in my system now. And the doctors say I'm going to die of malaria someday. That's what they told me. I said, thanks, doc. That's really encouraging. And I said, when? They said, well, we don't know, but one of these days, that's probably going to be what take, takes your life. But you don't have to worry. You, you can't get it from me unless I shook your hand. Otherwise, you're, you're good, and uh, you're safe, and uh, you can't get it that way either. So, but, I, I got, but you know, I, honestly, I look at malaria, and I think, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. God gave me what he knew I needed. I was, I was a few years back, I, I, I had some trouble seeing out of my left eye, and I had some little floaters and all that stuff, and some of, you, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You've been there, and I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, oh, you, you, you're going to surgery right now. I said, well, wait, my wife was out of town. I, I went to the do- eye doctor by myself. They said, you're going to surgery right now. My daughter, my oldest daughter, my youngest daughter was her senior year of high school, and I, so I got on the phone, I called her out of class. She wasn't even supposed to have her phone with her, but she did. We won't go there tonight. I called my daughter. I said, Gabby, I need you to get out of school. You need to come pick me up. She said, Dad, what's going on? I said, Gabby, I've got to have surgery today. She said, Dad, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm okay. What are you talking about? I'm okay. Yeah. She said, Dad, what's going on? I said, well, I got a torn and detached retina in my left eye. And they said, if I don't have surgery immediately, I'm going to go blind in that eye. She said, Dad, that's big. I said, no, nah, no, I got another one. It's no big deal. I've got a second eye. I'm not worried about it. Then I went and had the surgery. Everything's, I can't read out of this eye. They, they, they did something wrong, I guess, in the surgery. So if I read, I, I, can't, I close this eye, and I, I see better with that eye closed. What, what, well, good night. Am I just going to throw in the towel and quit and say, I'm done, I'm finished? No. No. I, the, I, I, God's not done with me yet. And God's not done with you yet. You say, how do you know God's not done with me yet? Do me a favor. Don't really do this but I'd love for you to reach over to the person next to you and pinch them good and hard and see if they respond. If they respond, that means it hurt them. That means they're still breathing. And that means God's not done with you yet. But we do live in a rough world, don't we? Turn on the news, watch the news. You hear about shootings. You hear about crime. You hear about about people who should be thrown in jail. And and we pay them as politicians, but they should be thrown in jail. You, you hear about all these different things that are going on financially. Man, our world is just on a, on a rocking ship in the middle of the, the troubled waters. Uh, you talk about war. Good night. There's war everywhere, isn't there? It seems like there's problems in this part of the world and problems in that part of the world. And some of you, I said, send your pastor to Israel. Oh, we won't do that. It's unsafe over there. Maybe. Send them anyway. Hey, I'm here to tell you, we do live in a world where everything is shifting. Not just in our world outside of Roanoke Rapids, but even within our community right here. Man, we live in a rough, we live in a rough world. You don't believe me? Go visit the public schools. I'm not knocking them. I love them. I, I love it. I love going there. I love witnessing. I love being a part of that. But I'm telling you, it's it's a rough world. Go visit your local jail. Go visit the juvenile detention center. Stop a police officer. Don't stop a police officer while they're on duty, but talk to a police officer. 
Ask them, hey, how's life going right now? Is it pretty easy going? No, man, it's a rough world. Well, let's go a little bit closer. I'll testify, y'all don't have to. I know this is not true about y'all. I know it's not true, but it is true about me. Every now and then, my wife and I have a discussion. I'm usually wrong. She's usually right. And if I'm being recorded, I'm going to send this to her. She's always right. Makes me so mad, too. I'm being lighthearted. We have two daughters. My oldest daughter's 22. My youngest daughter next week turns 20, uh, 19. Then I, we, my wife was like 12 when she had our children. I'm from Tennessee, so it kind of explains some of that. But I, 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 I can tell you, we had a, we've, we've had some rough times with our daughters. Say, well, you're a preacher. Yeah. Can I tell you, honestly, it doesn't matter what kind of home you have, where sinners abide, there's trouble. There's no such thing as a person. You ever looked at some families and thought, man, they have everything going, everything. Man, it's always sunshine and roses for them. Can I tell you? No, it's not. No, it's not. And there's times where you just want to pull your hair out and think, man, what is going on? What did we do wrong? How in the world could life be this bad? God, we're trying to live for you. God, we're trying to serve you. What is going on? And I'm here tonight just to encourage you. Matthew chapter number 7, Jesus finishes up the Sermon on the Mount. And I want you to hear what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7 in just the very final verses. You look at chapter 7 and the very end of it where the red letters, if you have a red letter edition of the Bible, where the red letters begin to end, that's the end, that's the conclusion of his message. I want you to see this, Matthew chapter number 7, verse number 24. The Word of God says this, Jesus speaking, he says, therefore... Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house. And it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. I look at this passage of Scripture, and I hear Jesus concluding the Sermon on the Mount. And you know, when I read that passage of Scripture, I learned some simple truths from the Word of God. And I want to share those three simple truths based on this passage of Scripture for us tonight. And I really honestly want to be an encouragement to us tonight. I put down number one based on what Jesus says here in the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. I put down number one, we are all building a house. We're all building a house. You may think, well... I'm not building a house. I've been in the same house for years. No, no, no. Jesus is not referring to a physical wooden structure that we open a front door and close a front door. Jesus is referring to our life. He's not referring to some place you may call, you have your mail sent to. He's referring to our physical bodies. And Jesus says this in this passage of scripture. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Hey, listen to what I'm saying. And he says, there's a foolish man and there's a wise man. He, he goes first, that wise man, and he says this, that wise man is in the process of building his house. But he says the same things happen to the foolish man's life. 
he's in the process of building his house. You see, we're all in that same process. Just, just bear with me for a few moments. I, 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 my brain goes from one thought to another thought real rapidly. I should write my notes out in more detail. You remember, for those of you who are older, you remember, you remember getting to certain stages of age in your life? Where's the lady who's turning 95, 95 years old? I would love to just sit down and talk with you for hours. I would love to hear the stories you had to tell. I really would. I'd love that. Brother Fats and I talked last night. I enjoyed just listening, just hearing some history of, of your church. And, and, and I, I love that kind of stuff. I feel horrible saying Brother Fats, though. I really do. <laughs> I can't get past that. I preached to some teenagers today, and I said, you know, guard your mouth. Don't say things mean. Don't, and I feel like I'm saying something mean, so please... Please forgive me. You sit here tonight and, and uh, you, you reminisce just a minute. Do you, remember, do you remember when you were nine years old? I'm not asking about specific things at nine years old, but do you remember being nine years old and your 10th birthday was coming up? Ha ah, Some of the children, some of the teens know what I'm talking about here. Finally, double digits. I'm going to be 10. Yes, I can't wait. And I remember the birthday card. I remember the birthday card my mom wrote me. You're finally double digits. I'm like, double digits? What's that mean? Oh, one zero. I get it. Wasn't the brightest bulb in the pack. But I, I man, I remember that. I, I remember then the next kind of mile marker age was 13 for me. Finally, an official teenager. Yeah. Do you remember those days? I mean, just reminisce for just a second. Wait, wait, the next big day, 16. Getting that driver's license, Mark? Getting that driver's license? Yeah. Drive with your mama, stay in that car, yeah. <laughs> getting get that driver's license and thinking, man, I have arrived. I am 16. Man, look at me. I've got my driver's. Some of y'all, maybe it was earlier in that, back in those days. I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe it was later. Maybe you didn't have to have a driver's license. Back. Maybe it was a horse and buggy. I don't know. But do you remember those, oh, oh, after 16? Oh, 18. I am an adult. My daughters, man, they told me over and over again, I'm 18, Dad. I'm an adult. <laughs> All right. Start paying the bills. Go ahead. You want to play this adult game, we'll let you play the, I'm talking to you teenagers right now. You say those words to your parents, I'm, I'm praying God gives you eternal acne. I am. You don't play those games. Amen. Amen. 18. I'm finally 18. Wow. And then 21. Oh, wow. I'm 21. I can't believe I'm 20. I'm an adult. I'm, I, I feel like a man. Then it, you know, then I can't wait till I get married. Then I can't wait till I have children. You know how we go through these stages and then, then we get somewhere where we're like, whoa, slow down. Where did the time go? Hey, you know what we're all doing? We're all building a house. We're all building our life. Every one of us, every person in this room, you are in the process of building your house. And God in this passage of Scripture distinguishes two types of people. He distinguishes a wise person and a foolish person. I'm not calling anyone a fool. I'm just repeating what the Word of God says. He says there's two different types of houses being built in our world. Let's bring it right down into Victory Baptist Church. If I were in my home church right now, I'd say in Franklin Road Baptist Church. I'm not being critical. But let me ask you, are you a foolish man building a house or a wise man building a house? That's up to us. 
That's not up to your pastor. He can't build your life for you. You have to build your own life. So I noticed, number one, in this passage of Scripture, we're all building a house. We're all actively in the process of building our house. And I can tell you this, nobody sets out to be a failure. When you were 16, you didn't sit back and say, man, I cannot wait to fail. I can't wait to go get my driver's test. I'm going to fail this thing every chance I get. I, no, you're not, you're not planning that. When you got married, you didn't sit back and say, oh, I'm going to marry the worst person I can possibly find. Some of you are thinking, but I did anyway. <laughs> no, you didn't. No, you didn't. But you don't set out to fail. Everybody in this room, you want to build as a wise person a solid life, a solid house. I see, number one, we're all in the process of building this house. I see, number two, the storms of life will come. Can I say that again? The storms of life will come. If I were to take the microphone and pass it around, there's not a soul in this room who has any years behind them at all that you wouldn't say, hey, I can say, you tell me some of the storms you faced in your life, and we could start here, and we could go all the way around this room, and everybody in this room has a story to tell of some bad circumstance that's taken place in your life. Every one of us. Every one of us. Storms come to everybody. As a matter of fact, if you read this passage of Scripture again and you compare that wise, wise man building a house to the foolish man building the house, if we were to look at those verses again and compare those verses, the exact same thing happens in both lives. The Bible said the rains came, the floods came, and beat upon that house, the winds blew. See, the storm comes to all of our lives. I don't know what storm you're facing. You may have gone to the doctor and gotten a report from the doctor. And you have, you know, have, even have a hard time putting your own brain around it. And you don't want to tell anyone else. We heard the prayer request, a few prayer requests tonight, and I know there's a host more than that. But there are, there are burdens on the hearts of people in this room that really nobody else in this room even knows about. And it's a storm. And the storm's coming. And man, they beat on the house. And sometimes you think, oh, I, just, I just can't handle it. I quit. I'm done. I'm not going to continue going down this path. Man, I thought when I got saved, all these troubles go away. A few months ago, my, I went, uh, was preaching in Missouri. And was preaching to teenagers about being a witness to their family members. And man, God just smacked me right in the face. I said, Copeland, are you practicing what you're preaching? Man, I, I hit the altar that night after the message I preached. I said, God, if you'll give me an opportunity, I'll go visit my uncle. I've witnessed to him probably, probably 50 times. Every time I witnessed to him, he'd stiff arm me. He was like, oh, no, I don't need that. I, I, I'm all right, leave me alone. No, no, don't talk, don't talk to me about that. And just two months ago, I was preaching that message, and God smote my heart and said, Kurt, go back up and talk to your Uncle Larry. Finished that preaching service there, or that, that, that series of meetings there, and I went back to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and I told my wife, I said, honey, I've got I've to load up, and I've got to go talk to Uncle Larry. Told my pastor, I said, fire me if you need to, but I've got to go witness my uncle. 
He hadn't fired me yet. And I got in the car and I drove north, got to Pekin, Illinois, and drove up to his driveway, got on the phone. I said, Uncle Larry, you home today? I knew he was home. He said, I am. Been to the doctor and been diagnosed with lung cancer, severe lung cancer. He'd already had a half of one lung already removed. Got severe lung cancer in the other lung. Called him on the phone there in his, in his driveway. I said, Uncle Larry, are you home? He said, yeah, yeah. I said, hey, I'm in your driveway. He said, I was wondering who that was in my driveway. I said, can I come in and talk to you? He said, what are you doing in Pekin, Illinois? I said, well, I drove up here to see. You drove all the way from Tennessee just to come see me? Uncle Larry, I can talk to you in person. Can I come in? <laughs> Hung up the phone, walked in his house, and for three hours I sat in the living room. My Uncle Larry. Three hours later, his wife to my left and him to my right, they both bowed their heads and individually prayed and asked Jesus to forgive them of their sins, come in their heart and save them. Amen. Say, Brother Kurt, why, why are you telling us that story? i tell you why. Because it took a storm coming in their life to get them to a place where they said, hey, I need something else. The storms come to all of us. Every one of us face storms in life. We all face them. I see, number one, we're in the process of, process of building a house. Number two, we're, we're, we face the storms of life. By the way, I, I wrote that. I put my eyeballs on here real quick. The storms of life come. Some of those storms in life can be predict, uh, predicted, but not avoided. Yeah. Do you know some storms of life you could predict, okay, something's going to happen. I know it's going to happen, but I can't do anything about it. I, I think of literal storms, hurricanes. We, we know pretty good in advance when a hurricane's going to come in. Y'all are in a hurricane area, the effects of hurricane area. We're not in Tennessee. But here you, you have the effects. You know when a hurricane's coming. You know when you're going to get a lot of rain from the hurricanes and you go and you buy all the milk and bread and, and, and beer and all. I'm just kidding, not the beer. You go buy all that stuff from the grocery. I'm just joking about it. I shouldn't have said that. Please forgive me. You go get all the supplies. Why? Because you know the storm's coming. So you prepare because you know the storm's coming. Some of them are, you know they're coming, they're predictable, but you can't do it. Some storms give you very little warning. Tornadoes? Now, I do live in tornado area. The house I live in literally was picked up by a tornado, intact, spun around backwards, and set down in the backyard. Still intact. The year before we bought the house, well, we didn't buy that house, they rebuilt a new one, but it was picked up and spun around and set in the backyard. The lady who owned the house was still in the house. But that was a good one. All the houses around us literally were destroyed. You can't predict those storms. Well, you know the storm's coming, but boy, there's nothing you can do about it. And, and, and a very short warning. Hey, you know, in our life, sometimes there's storms that come in our life, there's very little warning. You didn't know you were going to have that car accident. You didn't know you were going to the doctor and finding a bad report. But the storms come. Some storms, there's literally no warning given at all. Out in California, they have earthquakes. They don't, they don't say, okay, hey, tomorrow, everybody button down the hatches because tomorrow there's going to be an earthquake. Get ready. I remember, it was, I think it was 89. I'm pretty sure it was 89. I was a college student. I am a Chicago Cubs baseball fan. Amen. They're on vacation right now, by the way. They got early vacation this year. 
I was watching or listening as a college student, listening to a radio to the Chicago Cubs playing the San Francisco Giants in the division series of the National League playoffs. I remember listening to the pregame. I was sitting in my room, Coberly South, fourth floor. I was sitting in that, in that room listening to my, my radio, and I heard him say this. It was, like, it was almost like chaos on the radio. Whoa, 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 what's that? Whoa, whoa, I think we're having an earthquake. Whoa. And it was in, in the pregame of the World Series. No warning. Hey, can I tell you? You're going to face some storms. Some of those storms have no warning. So let me ask you, what does Jesus tell us we need to do since we're all building a house and since we all will face storms? What do we do? Well, when the storms come, I guess I'm just going to quit. No, 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 no. No, well, I think I'm just going to put my head in the sand and pretend that there's no storms. No, no, that's not what he says. Matter of fact, Jesus gives us the recipe of how to make it through these storms of life. He nails it right here. This I love listening to Jesus preach. This isn't me preaching. It's Jesus preaching. Some of y'all say, no, Jesus wouldn't be yelling so much. He may not. But look at this. Look what Jesus says we're supposed to do when we face the storms of life. The Bible says this. Verse number 26. The Bible says, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened to a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. The rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, for great was the fall of it. Uh, not the right verse. Forgive me. I'm going to come back to it. Uh, looking at my notes. Preachers do this from time to time. Mm, verse number 24. Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a wise man which built his house upon a rock, and the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not. Listen to these words. For it was founded upon a rock. I'm not a builder, but I love to build. I have never had a contractor's license. We have builders in the, in, in the auditorium. Type, in, does contractor work type stuff? Okay, good. So I can, I can give my dumb illustrations. You won't think I'm that dumb. I, I'm not a builder, but I love to build. My daughters came to me uh, when they were real little, and they said, Daddy, would you build us a tree house, a playhouse? Yeah, I can do that. My wife got online and she ordered plans for a playhouse. Plans for a playhouse. I mean, like we paid like $300 for plans for a playhouse. A waste of $300. We got these plans in the mail. I opened them up. I couldn't read those. I didn't know what it meant. And we had a builder in our church, so I took those plans to this guy, and he said, ooh, those are complicated plans. Who wrote those? I said, I don't know. Some guy in in Taiwan, I think, and he just put them, we just got them in the mail. He said, well, I'll help coach you through it. And I proceeded to build my daughters a playhouse. It's in my backyard still to this day. My daughters aren't home to play in it, but I built that playhouse. It's got two sides of the playhouse. The one side is, is the playhouse side. And you walk in, and it's about eight foot by eight foot. You walk in, and, and uh, the ceiling is about six foot high for the ceiling there, and, and it's got seats in there. I've got light switches in there. You can turn on lights in the playhouse. I ran electricity to it. It was shocking once or twice, but I, I did it. <laughs> and I put those lights up in there, and, and then on the left, as soon as you walk in the door, on, just next to that, there's an air conditioner. They were suffering in their playhouse. They have an air conditioner in the playhouse. 
I put stairs on the side of the wall to climb up the side of the wall to a loft, like a little house on the prairie. My daughter said, oh, we got to have a loft where we can sleep in the loft so we can sleep out in the playhouse. I'm like, okay, well, I'll build a loft. So I, I built a second story. It wasn't in the plans, but I built the, the, the loft in the second story. But then on the other side, there was a, 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 a almost duplicate. On the other side was enough area for a, a, a work, a man cave, a work, a work storage shed. Put my important stuff out there, you know, the, the mower and the weed eater and the blower and the, the rakes and all that stuff. And, you know, a place where my wife sends me when I get in trouble. You know, I can go out there and, and I've got the workhouse on this side. But, but I didn't put a loft in that, but it was really tall. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to put a roof on there and put a, a slide from the loft of the girl's playhouse to the third story. And so Angel had her bed up above the storage shed. Gabby had her bed on the loft, and their living room was downstairs on the main floor. And they'd sleep out there, and it was a slide. Literally, we still have teenagers come to the house to this day, and they're like, can we go to the playhouse? I'm talking about 18-year-old teenage guys. Can I go to the playhouse? And you're weird, but yeah, go ahead. And they're sliding up and down that slide in between the two places. Hey, when I was started building that thing, I thought, man, I'm, I'm going to build this right. I mean, I'm going to do it right. And I went to our builder at the church, and I said, give me your best advice. I'm getting ready to start this. Give me the best advice. He said these words to me. If the foundation is not right, it won't last. If the foundation's not right, it won't last. And, man, I worked on that foundation. Brother Dan, I, I literally spent hours on the foundation. I got the foundation all set and poured, got it all set. And then I, then I started building the, the, the floor joists. I did the box seal around it first, got it all set. And then I started those floor joists. And I borrowed the church's framing nailer, air gun, power tools. I'm, I'm telling you, I loved it. I'm shooting nails up in the air just to try and just to have fun. And I started building that thing. What I didn't realize is they took the safety off of the nailer gun. And so I'm building away. I'm having a time. I, my daughter's out there like, Dad, you're my hero. Dad, you're the best. Will it be done tomorrow, Dad? No, it's not going to be done for like six months. Just be patient. I'm out there on that frame, and I'm literally, I'm sitting on the box seal on the, with my feet on the inside. I pull up a floor joist that was already connected on the other side, and I have it in there. And so I stood up to put the nailer in the floor joist. And as I'm doing that, my, my daughter over here on the side, she's walking on some other floor joists that were already, already nailed in. I'm getting ready to toenail in these floor joists, and I'm holding it up, and my daughter fell through the floor joists on this side. And so I'm, I'm looking at her, and as I looked at her, I lost my balance and fell backwards. As I'm falling backwards, my feet hit the box seal, and I'm starting to fall way back. I've got this nailer in my hand. I drop the, 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 the floor joist, and as I'm falling, I guess I just tensed, and I'm shooting nails. As I'm falling, I'm birds getting shot out of the air as I'm going. I'm falling backwards, and I'm, I'm waving my arms as I fall backwards, and I caught a nail in my hand. I guess I should say the nail caught me. I'm laying on my back. I look at my hand, and my fingers are nailed together. Right through the fat of these two fingers. I'm laying on the ground. My daughters are laughing at me. Dad, that was so funny. I'm not allowed to say this word, but I said, shut up. My wife's not here. Don't, don't, don't laugh at me. I, no, no, I, I held my hand up. I guess the look on my face too. My wife saw, she's, like, she's laughing too. She's like, oh, 
Kurt, are you okay? I said, yes, I'm okay. It's not funny. So I'm laughing. I reached over and pulled the nail out, and blood's going everywhere. My wife said, we need to go to the doctor. I said, no, we don't need to go to the doctor. And I took some mud and smeared some mud on there. I said, I'm okay. Blood's dripping. Hey, the foundation is crucial. What is the foundation? I'm a dumb youth pastor from Tennessee. You tell me, what is the foundation of our life? Jesus Christ is. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Hey, what's the foundation for your life? Is it? You could have told us that at the beginning of the message and we wouldn't have had to listen to all this. I could have. This is your foundation. Can I, can I stick the knife in real quick? If this is truly the foundation for our life, put on your man pants for a second. I'm going to be mean for just a second. Why didn't you read it today? Hey, teenagers. You want to know what God has for your life? Here's the answer. Oh, I want to know who I'm going to marry someday. Read this. Hey, the storms of life are coming. Adults, we can testify. You're going to still face some storms. If you're not in the middle of one right now, you just came out of one or you're getting ready to go in one. That's all life is. Man's born a woman's full of trouble and all that stuff that Job said. I can't remember it. I didn't study that part. Man, we, we, we have troubled times. So how do we make it through the storms of life? It's this book. It's this book. Do you really believe that? If you do, then why, why do we wait for your pastor to be the only one to talk to you about this book? Can I, you won't be offended by this. I hope you're not offended. By, he's not going to have me back anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> you know what preaching is? Some of, you, some of you folks who are grandparents, you will really relate with this. Some of you who are parents, you'll deny it, but you know it's true. When you had your baby, I remember taking our babies out to eat from time to time. They do not prepare baby food when you go out to eat. They don't. So moms help with that. I remember taking my daughters to Ryan's, that, that buffet that you could just go and eat and eat and eat and all that stuff. We, we used to go to Ryan's way back in the day, and, and I remember we'd go there, and my wife would get green beans for the coconut. I, I watched her do this a number of times. She'd get those green beans, and my daughters, I love to tease my daughters when they were little. I'd get that spoon with something on it, and I'd take that spoon right past their mouth, and you watch them. And I'd put it in my mouth, and I'd do it again. My wife says, stop being mean to them. Stop being, your roles are going to reverse someday. They're going to do the same thing to you. <laughs> she, my wife would then take that spoon with the green bean, and she'd pick a green bean up, and she'd put that green bean in her mouth, and she'd chew that green bean. And then she'd take that same green bean that she just put in her mouth, and she'd put it right back out on the spoon. And I'm looking at my wife, and I'm saying, you're gross. <laughs> and my wife would take that green bean, and she would take it over to Angel, my daughter, and she'd say, open up. And my daughter, Angel, who's just a little old girl, she'd go, and in went the green bean. You say, that's gross. That is pre-digested, pre-chewed food. Hey, can I tell you what preaching is? <laughs> 
That is pre-digested food. Let me explain. Your pastor studies. No doubt about it. You've got a phenomenal pastor. And he studies and he prepares and he works. And he gets a message from God through the word of God. And he chews on it, and he chews on it, and he chews on it, and he writes notes, and he chews, and he writes notes, and he chews, and he writes notes. And you know what he does in church? He gets up here on Sunday morning, and he goes, bleh. <laughs> Probably a very poor example, but that's what's happening. You are getting pre-digested Bible. I, there's probably more to it than just the blow pre-digested. Hey, can I tell you this? My daughters do not eat pre-chewed green beans anymore. They don't. Why? Because they grew up. They know how to chew their own food. We taught them as kids how to chew their own food. You know what your pastor's desire is for you? That you don't have to rely just upon pre-digested food. Where's my strength come from my daily life? It's not from church. And I don't mean that against church. I'm 100% for church. My strength for my daily life comes this morning when I opened the Word of God and I read the book of Joel. And I asked God to speak to my heart and show me some things from His Word so I could be a better Christian for Him. But if I don't open the book, I have no foundation. So when I don't have a foundation, guess what? The storms come. And they will come. And it rocks my world because the foundation isn't right. There's the foundation. If this is the foundation for our life, how strong is your foundation? I am not being judgmental. I'm trying to be helpful this evening. Trying to be encouraging. How's your foundation? I've been in church all my life. Great. But that doesn't make your foundation strong. This does. So can I challenge you tonight? You know how you can be the greatest church member or staff, how to be the greatest staff member? Or choir members, how to be the greatest choir? It's not your voice. The special tonight, that was incredible. But you know how to be the best special singer or guitar player? That was great too. You know how to be the best at all that? Have a strong foundation. Have a strong foundation. Will the storm still come? Yep. The waves will beat on the house, the rain, the wind. You'll think everything's crumbling in. No, because the foundation's strong. Can I give you a homework assignment? I'm done. My time's up. I am so sorry. Here's your homework assignment. Will you tomorrow... At some point, whether it's morning, afternoon, or evening, get your Bible out. Maybe you sit in your little recliner. Maybe sit at the kitchen table. Open your Bible and just read God's Word. Say, I don't have time. Five minutes. Just five minutes. Just maybe while you're eating breakfast. Instead of reading a newspaper, Instead of looking at email or Facebook or whatever, open the Bible and set it down next to your plate. And as you're taking a bite, go back over and read again. Have a pen there next to you. And some verse speaks to your heart, 
oh man, that's good, and underline or write it down on a journal if you don't write in your Bible. And spend some time with God. Strong foundation. From the greatest preacher who ever preached, Jesus. It's your foundation. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. I'm not your pastor. I don't know what state you're in, what, what condition. I, it's none of my business. But I do know this. There's some storms in my life right now. Some big storms. Some storms that make me think I'm just going to quit. I'm testifying for just a minute. There's some storms in my life right now. And there's times I want to quit. You know when I get my strength? when I get in God's word. Maybe you're a parent and you're facing a storm because your child's disappointing you. Hey, don't quit. Go back to God's word. Hey, hey maybe you're a teenager and you're facing a storm in life and that storm, may, you may think it's mom and dad. It's your storm in life. I understand. Can I challenge you? Why don't you get back to the book to strengthen that foundation? Hey, maybe you're a grandparent. You got a grandchild that's going away, steering away from God. Man, what a storm in life. It's hard to face that kind of stuff. Hold, hold on. God gave you his word. Let's get back to the word. Let's, let's set a time. Let's set an appointment. Get your phone sometime and set an appointment on your phone. Time to spend with God and set an alert on there so you know, hey, this is my time with God. Let's get back to the book. Let's get back to the Bible so we have a strong foundation. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.